knowing that you are, we are yours. So, Father, we love you. We thank you. And bless everyone in this room. Bless this word. Let it, everything we do be glorified to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. You all can be seated. That's right. <laughs> all right, everyone. Welcome. All right. So I'm doing something a bit different tonight. And instead of telling you my message title or the theme for it, I'm going to have you guess it. There's no prize, so this is just for bragging rights. All right, so here is your first clue to the screen. Who is this person? George Michael. All right, that's the first clue. Now, for those who don't know who George Michael is, he was part of a band called Wham! back in the 80s that had popular songs like Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go, and that's the only one I could think of. I'm only, uh, I, I like my 80s music. But after he split from Wham, he went years later, and I think late 80s, early 90s, had a very popular song, and does anybody remember how it goes? What was that, Pastor? What was that, Pastor? Yes. <laughs> That's right. You got to have faith. So, tonight's message will be on faith. Um, a very broad topic, but after coming back from camp this week, this just kind of fell heavy on my heart, so I wrote something up. Here it goes. So tonight's message title is Faith Is, and so audience participation, when you think or hear the word faith, what comes to mind? Anybody? What was that, Miss Lourdes? Belief. Believing in something you can't see. Any other out there? Having faith gives you peace. Anything else? All right. Great answers. They're all wonderful. And all these are correct. I think faith is like the word love. We use love in a lot of different circumstances like, well, I love my girlfriend. I love my wife. I love pizza. They all don't mean the same thing, but um, it's used a lot. And faith is kind of the same way. Um, Like, I have faith that this person will come through for me. I have faith that this will work out. I have faith that the Auburn Tigers will finally take it to another championship this year. I have faith in that. Bama fans, oh well. So, eh, it's okay. I'm fine with that. So, what is faith? I would go to the Greek and the Hebrew, but for time's sake and just because I didn't feel like looking it up, I'm just going right to the English definition. And faith literally means Complete trust or confidence in someone or something. For us as believers, our faith is rooted in God the Father and his son Jesus Christ, and we have the power of the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Simply meaning that even though nobody here has seen the Father, we have prayed to him, Many of us have heard from God, received a word for God from somebody else or for ourselves, but no one here can say they've seen him. Yet we still believe that he did send his son to die for our sins, that through his blood we are cleansed, that Jesus rose on the third day and now sits at the right hand of the Father, waiting the day to bring home his children. But none of us have seen all this stuff. Jesus even tells his disciples, it is great that you believe when you have seen, but blessed is he who has not seen and believed. 
faith is the cornerstone of our what we call Christianity. So tonight we'll be in a few places, which this will be different for me because typically I preach on one passage, but I'm going to be in a couple. So for you note takers, we'll first be in Matthew 8, verses 5 through 13. And with this topic of faith, we'll be looking at a very famous story involving Jesus and the Roman centurion. So in Matthew 8, we have the following. When he entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, appealing to him and saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed in terrible distress. And he said to him, I will come and cure him. The centurion answered, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only speak the word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, with soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and the slave does it. When Jesus heard him, he was amazed and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, in no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and will eat with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the heirs of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you according to your faith. And the servant was healed that very hour. There's actually two accounts of this. The first one is in Matthew, of course, and the second one is in Luke 7. And while they're both similar, they both bring different pieces to it. Uh, The big difference in Luke's account is that um, the elders in this town approached Jesus and said that this centurion was a great person. He actually helped build their local synagogue. While Matthew avoids that, um, he talks more about this prophecy, and I'll get back to that. But this is um, a huge story when it comes to faith because, firstly, a centurion was someone who was, like you said, over a lot of people. And when I first read this, I was thinking, well, maybe like 20-something people. But Centurion was actually a pretty high-ranking Roman um, official in the army, and he would have had anywhere from 200 to 1,000 men under him. So when he says, I tell my soldiers to go, they go, come, come, he's not talking about one or two. He's talking about his entire regiment, or as they would have been called, a century. And he would have been on the front lines with them. This isn't someone who stayed in the back and let the soldiers fight. He was right there on the front lines with them, fighting the enemy and going headfirst in the battle. It's also interesting that this man would have been Roman and more than likely, highly doubtful, would have gone to any Hebrew school, rabbinical school, studied under a rabbi, known much or anything about the Hebrew customs or um, things they believed. But he knew about this man named Jesus and that he could heal people. It's interesting because he probably would have more than likely gone to one of the gods. I studied Greek and Roman mythology, so I loved it. So he would have gone to the god Apollo, who was the god of medicine. But he chose instead to go to Jesus. And what's beautiful is that Jesus tells this guy that his faith is what heals his servant. And when you look at a lot of Jesus' interactions, a lot of times it's not Jesus doing the healing. It's that person's faith. Think about the woman with the bleeding issue for many years. She believed that she just touched the hem of Jesus' garment that she would be healed, and she was healed. And Jesus uh, doesn't berate her, belittle her. He just says, you've had such faith, and that's why you're healed. And it's the same here with this Roman centurion. And it's interesting that the way he approaches Jesus, he could have easily said, by order of Caesar, I command you to come to this house and heal this person. He goes about it completely different. 
com- complete humility, being totally humble, and actually tell Jesus, you're, I'm not worthy enough for you to come into my house. How many of us have that same humble approach when we come to Christ, knowing that we're not good enough, but just, God, do what you can, even though I know I'm not worthy. I've fallen short way too many times. But the goodness of the gospel is that it's not our works that make us worthy. It's the complete work of Jesus that makes us worthy. So <clears throat> the centurion could have used the authority to get Jesus into the house, but he approaches very humbly and says, heal my servant. And his servant is healed instantly. And because I'm a teacher, I love this part in the middle talking about Jesus saying, I tell you, men will come from the east and the west and will eat at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he was talking about us in this room who are believers. It's cool thinking that Jesus, even though he came to the Jews first, was already thinking about the Gentiles or those who weren't Jewish, knowing that one day we all here will one day sit in the kingdom of heaven and sit at that great banquet feast along with such greats as Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Paul, and Peter, and Moses, and all of these biblical greats because of what Jesus did. While he tells that the heirs of the kingdom of heaven or some of the Jews would not be able to be a part of this because they'll be cast out because they did not believe. First Peter talks about Jesus being the cornerstone, and to those who um, believe, he is very precious and loved. But to those who do not believe, he's a stumbling block because he, they do not believe the word. So this is a great show of faith here and kind of what faith looks like in action. And... I remember talking with Pastor Allen about this on one of our many, 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 many talks about healing. And he was telling me that whenever he, someone approaches him about healing or wanting prayer for healing, he always asks them, do you believe that you're going to be healed? Because a lot of times it's our faith that causes the healing. Pastor Allen or whoever is doing the prayer is just a vessel. It's that person's faith that is causing the healing. And it should be the same for us in here. If you are in here and you are believing God for healing, for provision, for whatever it may be, you have to believe. And that's where faith comes in. So we talked about faith, defined faith, and what it looks like. So you might be asking, well, Keith, this is great, but how do I grow this faith? What do I need to do in order to um, mature in my faith? I'm glad you asked that because that happens to be the next subject on my notes. And... Doing something different again, I'm giving you points. Not as many as Pastor Allen. I'm keeping my only down to a list of five. Sorry, 20 points seems a bit much for me. <laughs> love you, love you. Wow, Natalie, really? <laughs> I heard you. But I'm going to give you five points, and this is five ways to cultivate your faith. Now, the first two are very practical, but so essential. The first one, number one, get into the Word. Now, when I say this, I'm not knocking devotionals. They're great. They're wonderful. But you really need to get into the Word, get into Scripture. If you don't have um, a Bible at home, you can use the YouVersion app on your phone or your tablet. has a Bible on there that you can read through, different translations. Find one that reaches for you. And when you do this, be intentional. The YouVersion app has some great devotionals but it also has some great reading plans. You can do a one-year Bible. You can do a study through just one of the epistles, through one of the letters, through the Old Testament, through the New Testament. Lots of options. Personally, right now, I am reading through First Peter. And by reading First Peter, I'm taking it two, maybe four verses at a time. I think one day I did five, and my friends were, like, really bragging me, like, oh, man, you're going way too fast. But 
I'm taking it very slowly, and I've never done this before. And it's amazing what God has been showing me through just slow reading day by day. I've done the whole reading chapters at a time and taking nuggets from there, but there's something to be said about reading it just a couple of verses at a time. With that method, be warned that this does not work for every book of the Bible. If you go to Numbers, you will be stuck in endless genealogies, and I doubt you will get much out of that. But for, but for like Paul's letters, some of the uh, letters that Peter's wrote or John, these are great ways to really take Scripture slowly and really have it broken down. But number one, importantly, get into the Word. And number two, um, also with this, pray before you read the Word. Pray the Holy Spirit will reveal to you what God will have you see so you can see more than just what's on the surface level because there is a lot of depth in here that I've gotten just by praying beforehand and letting the Holy Spirit show me things in Scripture. And actually, um, I'm sure I'll do a sermon at some point about something the Holy Spirit revealed to me off one of Jesus' parables, but that'll be for a later date. All right, point one, get into the Word. Point number two, spend time in prayer. Prayer is so, so, so essential to us as Christians because this is our time to connect or commune with God. It's going to look different for everybody. I know me personally, and my kids have heard this, and some adults here, but my prayer is I have a prayer room. I have an empty chair in there, and I picked this up from a guy named Brendan Manning, and he was telling this story about this guy who was having trouble praying. He didn't know what to do. He was kind of a new believer. And he went to his pastor, and his pastor hands him this thick book, and he's like, this here is the Bible for prayer. Read this, and you'll have all your questions answered. And he was talking with Brennan. He said, so I started reading this book, and I couldn't get very far because I had to go look up words every couple of sentences. So he gave back to the pastor and was kind of like, thanks, but no thanks. And he talked to one of his friends, and his friend said, have you ever just tried talking with God like you have me? And he kind of just looked at him puzzled. He was like, what do you mean? He said, put a chair in front of you, envision that, that, God, that God is sitting there, and just talk with him. So it sounds weird in the beginning, but I've done this, and it becomes very natural just having a conversation like I would with any of my friends or people I'm talking to. And I feel like I'm really connecting with uh, Papa, and that's what I call him when I talk with him. But it's going to look different for everybody. Somebody might want to be praying on their way to work. Some people might just have their own prayer closet. Some people might just pray out loud in their den. Just whatever it looks like, pray. The beautiful thing about our walks is that they're all unique to us, and prayer should be unique as well. I also know last week Pastor Allen talked about um, kind of the spiritual gift of tongues, and that is also a prayer language for a lot of people. Um, for those who don't know, uh, you have kind of two types of tongue. One that comes with interpretation. That will be a word for the church to edify or to grow it. But then you have this prayer language where you are talking in tongues, and you may not understand what you're saying, but you know that you are talking with God and glorifying him in what you're doing. And a lot of times God will reveal himself to you more when you do that. But I'm sure there will be more teachings about that from Compass because I know we're all about the Holy Spirit here. But these two things are important because it takes discipline. I remember when I first started walking with Christ for real about 10 years ago, for me, reading in the Bible was reading maybe like five verses and being like, all right, I'm good for the day. And I remember the first time I had a friend of mine uh, read with me. I sent like five verses, and I was like, okay, we're doing good. And then they sent back, all right, read Romans 1 and 2. And I was like, Romans 1 
and verse 2? She's like, no, Romans chapter 1 and chapter 2. But it took discipline to the point where now I can read an entire chapter or two and get a lot out of it, and it doesn't seem like a lot of work. And prayer is the same way. I had to set aside time each day to pray. And you might think, well, that's wrong. God should come first. But we're human, and we tend to let life get in the way. So I've actually encouraged the kids in my youth group to spend at least 10 minutes a day in the Word and in prayer and just seeing what God will do to them. Because I know that once they start that habit of doing something, it will become super habitual, and 10 minutes will go to 15 minutes. We'll go to 20 minutes. We'll go to 30 minutes to the point where they'll be praying all the time, spend, spending time throughout the day to spend time in the Word when they're feeling um, attacked by the enemy. And being in the Word and spending time in prayer helps you combat the lies of the enemy. So if you're new to this or aren't sure what to do, reading plans on version and set aside at least 10 minutes a day where you can just really commune and talk with God. And also with prayer, it's very important to not always talk, but to sometimes meditate and listen for God. So that way you can really hear what he wants you to know. All right, so the first two points, very practical. Spend time in the Word, spend time in prayer. The last three are not so much out there, but just kind of things to kind of keep in mind as you're cultivating your faith. The first one is to humble yourself. If you look at the centurion, like I said, he could have gone to Jesus and said, I command you to come and do this, but he didn't. He approached Christ very humbly and actually said, I'm not good enough for you to come into my house. But when you humble yourself, you realize that it's not you working, but Christ working in you. Um, Scripture says that the faith we have now isn't our own, but it was given to us through the Holy Spirit. So that's good news because that means I don't have to work super hard to make it grow. If I rest in my identity as being a child of God, he'll do the work and help it grow and nurture it and help me to grow closer to him. At camp, uh, the whole theme was about identity, and it's something a lot of teens uh, struggle with. And camp really just opened my eyes even more to this identity crisis that a lot of teens face. And the theme verse Pastor Zach was talking about one night was Galatians 2, 19 through 20. And it says... For, the, for through the law, I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I've been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. It's not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. We're just vessels. And if you empty yourself and allow yourself to be used by the Holy Spirit, your faith will take off and bloom in amazing ways that cannot be done by sheer will alone. There's one of Billy Graham's grandsons, Tulian Chavijan, not one of the more popular ones, but um, he's used to be pastor of this mega, mega church. He um, had this saying, he always looked at God as not trying to do more in Christianity, but just resting and realizing that our acts come out of the one-way love that God gives us. And he's becoming more prevalent now in some circles because uh, several years ago he had um, an affair with the, with somebody in his church. Church had to get rid of him, and he spent some time just seeking repentance and forgiveness. And now that he's coming back out, he really, really, really understands God's grace and forgiveness. And so he's teaching more on this, not trying to do more and pull yourself up by your bootstrap kind of Christianity, but just resting in just that it is Christ living inside of you, and it's not you doing the work, it's Christ doing the work. 
if you have a chance, go look him up. He has a very interesting story, several books, and I think now he's speaking at some churches, but he still just has some great, great stuff. Actually, when I think about him, he reminds me a lot of Brendan Manning, just a more modern version of him. So that was point three, humble yourself by realizing it's not you working, but Christ working in you. And the second one, believe like a child. And for this, we're going to go to Luke 18, 15 through 17. And why like a child, you would say? Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. When I think of somebody who has this pure spirit about them, it is a child. They believe and just kind of go with it. There's no rationalizing it, trying to, well, maybe this happened, or maybe this happened, or maybe this happened. They just believe that God is good and he's just going to do what he says. In Luke 18, we have the following. People were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they sternly ordered them not to do it. But Jesus called for them and said, Let the little children come to me, and do not stop them. For it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. Don't you find it interesting that we're referred to as children of God and not the adults of God or the grown men and grown women of God? He wants us to be able to approach him like uh, a son or daughter would approach their own father. Now, I know that there are kids out there who come from horrible situations and the father-parent relationship is very, very scarred and hateful. But to you, I would say that you have a good father who loves you and wants you to approach you with his, with your problems, with your worries, because he loves you so much. Now, keep in mind, he wants us to approach him like a child, but he does want us to grow and mature in our faith. Like Paul says, when we first start out, we um, are fed milk, and that's great. But you can't grow if you keep on, meat, on milk alone. Eventually, you're going to want meat just like you would if you were maturing as like a regular human. So keep in mind that he wants us to approach us, approach him as children, but we are to mature in our walk and grow. And when it comes to believing like a child, um, I want to have Hamp and Anna come up and talk about what they saw as leaders. So excited. What they saw as leaders at Transform, the kids camp they went to a few weeks ago, and then I'm going to talk about what I saw as a leader from the teenage side of it. So, um, he wanted uh, us to share something about like childlike faith, which I really think was so beautiful that in all the services we would we would go in and have all these kids, and there's like 200 kids, and they're all here, and they all line up on the door 30 minutes early, rush into service, and you know Zach would do like altar calls for prayer or for you know healing or to receive the Holy Spirit, and um, most of the time, people are embarrassed to get up in front of people. Like, it takes, you know, Zach, Pastor Zach usually says it takes one to break the ice to get someone to come forward. But um, he would give these altar calls, like, does anyone want healing? Does anyone want prayer? And kids would just rush down with, like, no embarrassment, no fear at all, just ready to receive the Lord. And it's just so beautiful that they just didn't care what other people thought. They just they just wanted prayer, and they wanted healing, and so it was just beautiful to see them rush down and not even hesitate at all to just come forward. So, I have a short story. It's not short, but I made it short. Excuse me. So, it was the last night at kids' camp, and uh, 
it's like we're inside in deep worship and all the kids are worshiping and raising their hands and laughing and they're all over the place and uh I'm standing in the back just kind of watching all the kids and this one little girl walks up to me and she's not doing anything and she I don't know why she walked up to me but she walked up and she tapped me and I leaned down and I asked her what's wrong and she pointed up at this this one little group that was up front and they were all just like in it they had their hands up and they were just singing and the little girl she asked me what they're doing and I told her what they're they're worshiping God they're praising God and she just looked she looked she was looking back and forth at me and them and uh, she looked back up at me and she said, can I do that? <laughs> and I was like, of course. And so she left me and ran up to the front with all those other kids and put both of her hands up and just started singing the song. And I was like, that's like, that's childlike faith. You know, she didn't even know, but she worshiped God anyway. So, Awesome. Thank you, guys. So that was Transformed Camp, and um, I haven't been yet, but just the way I hear, it's amazing seeing these like super little kids just really chase after God. I can only speak from a leader going to the plugged-in camps, and it's amazing seeing, even in the teenage life, these kids just going after God. Um, the first summer camp that I went to was definitely more about physical healing. There were a lot of kids coming with aches. I think one girl had, I saw one girl break her wrist earlier that day and she came and got healing and it was healed that very night. And healing is super hard for me because I work in the medical field and I'm thinking of like all the ins and outs and what can happen. But to sit and see that happen was amazing. And I think even that summer camp, uh, this past winter camp, I actually had uh, done something to my shoulder on a mission trip and it hurt for like several weeks and just come out of nowhere. So I find just like, you know what, I have this on available, let's go for it, prayed, and even I was healed, so haven't hurt since then. But it's cool seeing God move in the lives of these teenagers, because this past time, um, it wasn't so much about the physical healing, it was a lot of emotional healing. Like I heard about on Sunday, there were a lot of kids who had been bullied and been abused mentally or physically, so there was a lot of heart wounds there, and just to see these kids just come around each other, love on each other, pray for each other and lay hands on each other for healing. It was amazing. And I'm not saying I wouldn't see that in the adult crowd, but it's, I believe it's much easier for God to move through children or even teenagers because they haven't been hit by life yet. They haven't had um, heartache, really. They haven't had, like, lo- true loss. They haven't gone through stress of trying to find a job or try to get a job after education or breakups and a lot of other things that adults have gone through. So... While God can move through adults, I believe you see it more beautifully in, like, your teens and your kids because they have just that pure childlike faith. And I say this not to discourage you adults in the room or who might be hearing this, but to encourage you. Just spend some time look, spend some time reflecting back to when you were a kid. I know for me, I, I jump back to Christmas. I love Christmas, love Santa. I remember writing letters to Santa, my mom sending the letters off. And Christmas Eve, sitting there with my cousins and my brothers just being excited about what Santa was going to do. Us going to bed, and I would say going to bed, but we're just up up late waiting, just like, what's he going to do? Do you hear him yet? Is that him? And just waiting for all the excitement around this. Eventually passing out from just pure exhaustion and then waking up like at dawn, which we would never do on a normal day. But rushing into the living room and seeing what Santa had brought. 
and it never dawned on me or anything that I'm going to write this letter and it's not going to happen. It was, I'm going to write this letter and Santa's going to appear. And I say that to illustrate we should have that same type of thing with God. God, your word says this. I'm going to stand on that, I'm going to believe that, and I'm going to walk that out. So have that childlike faith. Now my last point, point five, is wait expectantly. And you notice I didn't say just wait. I said wait expectantly. Whenever we are standing in faith, whenever we are exercising our faith, we're not doing it just to be doing it. We're doing it expecting God to answer, expecting God to move. And in Romans 8, 24 and 25, uh, Paul says the following. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is not seen is not hope. For who hopes in what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. I mean, the first time I read this, it kind of just jumped out to me. I was like, that can't be in the Bible. And I thought maybe, I may, I thought maybe they snuck it into my version app. So it was cool kind of going back saying, oh, Paul really did say this. But it's cool seeing that Paul says, hope is not in what you see. That's not hope at all. Hope, faith, is what, in what, is what we do not see. We hope and we pray and we have faith that God is going to do whatever it may be in our life. What if it's that healing, what is that provision, whether it is that reconciliation, whether it's forgiveness. We hope and we pray and we believe that God is going to do that. We don't see it yet, but we know that it is coming. And in the end, it's all on God's, on God's time, time scale. So whenever you're uh, exercising your faith and cultivating it, you wait expectantly. I just think about just the faith walk of any Christian. A lot of people um, in the secular world kind of believe as a Christian, well, you should be angelic and be perfect because you're full of this Jesus person. And they think that you pray a prayer and boom, you're an angel, you can do nothing wrong, and everything's all sunshine and roses. But those of us who have been walking for a while, we know it is nothing like that. Some might think it's just this gradual incline to becoming like Jesus. I know for me personally, it's been more like an obstacle course. I might be going along, doing great, doing up the hill, growing, growing, growing. Something happens in life. I trip and fall and stumble down a hill, and I'm in this valley for a while. But friends and loved ones pray for me, and we pull, uh, Christ pulls me out, sets back on the straight path. So my walk looks more like an obstacle course from like Ninja Master than just like this great incline. And I would argue that that's the way for a lot of us. Faith doesn't mean that we won't have hard times, that um, we won't experience hurt or loss. But faith allows us to keep persevering through those hard times because God has been so good to us, and he has promised that he will not forsake us. He will not leave us as long as we are seeking his face. Um, call Hamp on this one. Um, at camp, Hamp came up to me and said this really, really cool quote that he's kind of sitting just chewing on for a while. He said... Seek God's face, and his hand will follow. And when I really started to write, really think about that, a lot of times we pray to God and ask him to use us, and that's not a bad thing at all. Do that. Ask him how, he can, how you can be used, but maybe our prayer time should be spent more just seeking God's face. Because as you seek his face, he will guide you on what to do. And I kind of uh, was praying on it, and Pastor Jim was talking about being made in God's image, and then had this kind of my own personal revelation off that quote, I was like, 
Hand you think about it. I mean, just in this room, look to your left and look to your right. That person is made in the image of God. You are made in the image of God. And so I sat there and was thinking, if I'm seeking God's face, then I'm seeking community and fellowship with my fellow believer, with my fellow um, brother or sister. And as long as I'm seeking that community and fellowship, God will guide me on what to do. He'll tell me how, I need, how best to help them, how best to serve them. And this only goes to strengthen your faith, that God does move and he will move in your lives. So in conclusion, my five points, get into the word, spend time in prayer, humble yourself, believe like a child, and wait expectantly. So I want to close with another song of worship and just invite everybody to stand and come down front. Let's come out, come down front. Let's all sit and just worship at the altar. Oh, hang on. Sure. Because Keith's real good about adding points to Pastor Allen's messages. I, I want to add one point. Can I add one point? Because faith is one of those things that's it's like this huge mountain that a pastor can approach from so many different angles. And, and Pastor Allen might be standing here and he says, I'm going to teach you on faith. And that big old mountain of faith, and he approaches it like this, and, and he just walks up this one side of the mountain of faith and explains something about faith, but somebody else could walk up this side or this side. or that. Faith is huge. It's a big thing to cover. And there's so much to learn, to teach about faith. You'll never, like one pastor could never teach it all in his lifetime, I don't think. Yes, do that. But I wanted to add this one more point as I was sitting there listening to his points, which were on point, by the way, really good. The The final thing I would add as your, what were your points? Read the word, pray, humble yourself, believe like a child, and wait expectantly in the waiting I think it's very important that our testimony, that our words speak what we're believing. And so, um, I think that as you're waiting, uh, faith is calling things that be not as though they were. What verse is that? What, what? Call something that is not as if it were. And that means... Um, if I'm believing that my knee is healed, but I still have to wear that knee brace, you know what I'm saying? Wear the knee brace, but say, I'm, my knee is healed in the name of Jesus. And proclaim that even when you don't see the result of that yet. And I remember there's a story. It's Daniel, and I don't know where it is. I think it was Daniel. And Daniel prayed for Laurel, or somebody help me out, Pastor Allen. He was praying for a, a messenger or something, and he prayed something, and it was 21 days before his, before his prayer was answered. And he asked the messenger, what took you so long? You know, I prayed, and, and where were you? I, I, I needed that immediately. I need my knee to be healed immediately. I need this answer immediately. And he said, well, your prayer was heard immediately in heaven. And we immediately... Your prayer was answered immediately. But as it was being worked out, 
the messenger was delayed by an evil spirit. The, the result, the, the answer was blocked for 21 days. It couldn't get there. And you may be praying for something, and then you're like, gosh, I've been waiting these 21 days. I guess prayer doesn't work. And you, and you miss out. Your faith goes because you convince yourself it must not have worked when you got to just keep saying, I believe that thing is here. I believe that I'm healed. I believe that I'm provided for. I believe that the answer to what I've prayed is answered already. It's answered in heaven, and I'm just waiting on the, I'm waiting on the 21 days or you know, whatever it is. I'm waiting on it to get here. And you keep speaking and speaking and speaking the result. You speak that thing that you don't have yet. Speak it anyway. You know, it's not magic. This is not a magic trick. Now, watch me speak up some healing. It's not like that. It's, it's a spirit thing. And you're speaking to that spiritual side of things that you can't see. You're speaking to the spirit realm and enacting angels and enacting things to happen in a realm that you can't see. The spirit realm is real, and there is activity going on even now that we can't see. That's why the word says to call things that be not as though they were, because they are. Romans four seventeen. Thank you. Romans four seventeen. So I think in addition to these five that are perfectly on point I would add to let your testimony speak to what you're what you have faith for is that okay cool and as she was talking I thought of some more points so (laughs) join me in my 96 week series on faith um but seriously um great addition great point to add number six let your testimony speak to what you believe for sure so I invite everybody to come down front, and we're just going to enter in time of worship. Point seven, grow your faith by worshiping. And we're going to enter that time right now. So I invite everybody to come down. And if you want to pray or you need prayer, feel free to tap my shoulder. I'll be more than happy to. I know Pastor Allen will, but we're here to help you guys.